This is a Niche Radio podcast. For more, visit www.nicheradio.co.za. Welcome to the Come Join Us channel. Um, we're here this morning at the lovely De Wetzhoff in the Robertson Wine Valley. I'm speaking to Hein De Wett, which is head of marketing, owner, CEO. you know it, everything, the whole list. And uh, we're chatting about Chardonnay this morning. So, Johan, welcome. Our glasses are empty, so I'm going to get us some of your lovely wines. So, those of you who know, I've seen quite a few of the Wetzhoff, especially the Limestone Hill, which you can find in most stores. We are enjoying that this morning. Delish. Okay. So, Johan? Cheers. What's news? Cheers. Thank you for the lovely yeah, tasting. We had a fantastic tasting earlier, and uh, we were in the cellars, and we had a chat about all the different Chardonnays of the valley. I mean, how many Chardonnays do you actually farm with? So, we have six Chardonnays. Yeah. Um, so, 200 hectares of vineyard. Um, six different Chardonnays and 75% of what we do is Chardonnay. Okay, yes, see. Yeah. What's the rest? Flower decoration. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we do a bit of um, Sauvignon Blanc, Riesling, Pinot Noir, Cabernet, Merlot. Okay, yeah. delicious. Yeah. What's your favorite? Chardonnay. <laughs> obviously, obviously. We were chatting about Riesling earlier and you said it's quite a wine that people don't know, I think, as much or very well. In South Africa, I think, yeah. you know, it's struggling as a category in South Africa, but it's a great product and it's a great mm. varietal. And I, I wish people would drink more Riesling mm. and a bigger mm. appreciation for Riesling. Originally from Germany? Germany, yeah. Okay, fantastic. And then your father studied there originally. Yeah, so my dad studied there, my brother as well. So the cuttings or the clonal material we have is actually a selection that my dad did in Germany. Fantastic. And brought back home. So tell us a bit about how did Chardonnay start with you guys in South Africa? So, yeah, long story, yeah. my dad smuggled it in because of <laughs> legislation problems back in the late 70s. And um, yeah, it just kind of grew from there. And Chardonnay did exceptionally well in Robertson mm. with our high limestone soils, our uh, um, climate, all that. So it really just boomed in this area. And um, yeah, if you look at Robertson today, it's 27% of all Chardonnay in South Africa still planted in Robertson. Fantastic. So, which okay. means it's the biggest Chardonnay producing area of South Africa. Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Hey, I read something one day about we being the longest, and I'm saying we because I know I come from Robertson. So, Robertson being one of the longest wine routes in the world, is that true? Longer than Napa Valley? Am I wrong or am I right? I don't know, Bordeaux is pretty long. Is it? And Burgundy is pretty long. I but we're not too short. I mean, how many wine, wine farms are here on this road? About 50. That's um, a lot. And Robertson, I think, is 21 kilometers long. Yes. Um, as an area. But uh, I, can't, I can't say if it's the one. So most probably in the most in a short space. Most probably, hopefully. <laughs> I, I, I probably, I don't know, but I thought I'm not going to go and do that debate. Yeah. But besides Chardonnay, what else, is they, what else is Robinson in this valley actually equipped that, that I think really Cabin, makes it a wonderful? I think Bubbly, you know, I mean, MCC, which is again a Chardonnay base, but um, Bubbly, Robinson is the biggest bubbly producing area of South Africa mm. as well. So I think it kind of, because Chardonnay does well, because we have the high limestone soils, low pH wines, which is good for bubbly, good for bubbly production, uh, makes wines that age. So again, good for bubbly. Mm. So bubbly is just doing exceptionally well out of this area. Do a lot of people buy from Robertson as well? 
Do you mean like other, other areas? brands and areas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? Uh, okay. There's very few other areas that don't buy from Robertson. Yeah, don't and they? specifically Chardonnay. Like Chardonnay, because they're chasing the pHs. They, you know, the the, the low pH wines from the area. And we so, have specifically Robertson's got yeah. a low pH, like yeah, you said, exactly. and that automatically gives more a uh, fruitier type of style. Well, it, it brings citrus out characters, um, that chalky minerality that's you know typical from you know the champagnes as well. Mm. Um, so it's all these characters that just work very well with a bubbly and a chardonnay, for example. Fantastic. I know that you, you do produce also a bubbly as well, a brut and yeah. a rosé. Yeah, wow. we're culling them and we're now going to make only a Blanc de Blanc because oh. it, it fits in with our story. Of so, it, you know, the whole being a Chardonnay house, um, having all these different Chardonnays, yeah. the Blanc de Blanc is the obvious next one. Those in. of you that don't know Blanc de Blanc, Blanc de Blanc is 100% Chardonnay. It's not a mixture of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Um, okay. How many Chardonnays you said you've got? Six. Okay. Your favorite child? <laughs> um, is it a party? Is it dinner? Is it lunch? Okay, um, let's, let's break it down, okay? Lunch? For just easy drinking, enjoying a glass of wine, I think limestone hill is the go-to. I love it. I go into a shop and I wonder sometimes what you buy. I buy your wine. If I see your bottle of wine, I buy it. Not just because I know you guys and I come from Robertson, but you know what you get. That's the whole thing, and I think yeah, that's a very, your brand. It's a very well. true and honest one. Yes. And um, which makes it, you know, very easy to sell. For example. Absolutely. Then, I mean, Bon Volon, unoaked as well, but you know, more tight, more restrained, mm. more linear in a way, um, and but more complicated. Yes. So much more uh, sommelier wine. So, yes. but in my book. That's one of the fingerprints of our area. You know, it's a fingerprint wine of the Vincent. The Bonvalon specifically. Yeah. Okay. But Vanessa actually found in, in Joburg, I went to Saint, we went last week. So Saint Beautiful, lovely mm. restaurant. And we saw your wines and we had it, my husband and myself, and absolutely loved it because it, it was food, amazing pairing wine. Yeah, Vanessa well. is, we always say it's our blue eyed boy, yeah. you know? People who don't like unoaked will like it, people who don't like oaked will like it, people mm. who don't like Sean, sure, they were like, it's kind of that one wine that which, pulls, which yeah. pulls everything together. Okay, fantastic. And then your flagship or your known one is oh, Batelier. Batelier. Yeah, which is our... Tell us a bit of history around the Batelier. How does it so, work and the name and everything? Yeah, so the Batelier vineyard is the clonal material that my dad smuggled in back in the day. We planted the Batelier vineyard from and it's pretty much been our flagship ever since. Mm. It's been a single vineyard or bottled as a single vineyard since I think 1990, and um, yeah, 1990, and uh, yeah, so this has been—it's been an awesome vineyard, and you know. How do you make it? Well, bring it in. How <laughs> <laughs> uh, long is it in the yeah, barrel? So How Twelve months in new barrels. That's um, quite a long time. Yeah, right? but the wine can take it. The wine's got complexity. It's got structure to carry the new wood. What gives you your know? wine complexity? What yeah. what makes that block special? Oh, that vineyard, the site is awesome. You know, you're sitting with high limestone, high clay concentration. Um, the material is brilliant material. It's on, it's one of the material clonal selections that, or clonal clone that does the best in Robertson. Um, yeah, no, it's just been phenomenal. And you've always had it. How many years now? Planted in 1986. Jeez, same as you as us. 
You 80? Two. Two. I'm 85. So I'm not saying my age is you work it off. <laughs> so you grew up in Robertson? You yeah, grew up in the school, farm. everything. Obviously, we went to school. We were on the bus. Yeah, Get a funny so, bus. <laughs> yeah, well, we grew say. up here, and um, my dad always says, you know, we, wine is like religion. You're born into it. And um, we could have done other things. I trained horses for a while, and so, but wine. That was also one of your loves, eh? Yeah, yeah, it still is. But wine is what we do. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's. You still do the, the horses part time? Mm, yeah, well, not as much as I would yeah. like. <laughs> you used to ride mostly. Tell yeah. us about it. What did you used to do with uh, it? I used to show and I did a bit of endurance and a bit of everything, you know. Mm. It's like, it's all disciplines in the horse arena it intrigues me. Um, you see that it sort of a, resembles wine with how it works? Uh, discipline, you need a bit yeah. of discipline. <laughs> um, and a bit of practice. Now we practice more with wine than with horses. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, yeah. Okay, and you've yeah. got a lovely wife, you've got two kids? Two kids, a wife. Boy, yeah. girl. A boy and a girl. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Parents are still around, so. Okay, fantastic. And how much are they still involved with business? My mom's totally out. Yeah. Uh, but my dad still comes to the office. Okay. And, um, so you and, your, you and your brother, you've taken over yeah, the whole Yeah, but it's business. nice to have the previous generation because they've got the history. Of so course. you can always go back and say, what happened in 1973, mm. you know, and um, okay, so this vintage looks like that, mm. you know, and how did you manage it? And so it's great to have that, the depth of knowledge in the vineyards and in the winemaking. Has it changed previous. a lot to their generation and your generation now into the business? I think the new generation has put its fingerprint on the, what we're doing, but I think we're still staying very true to the fingerprint of the estate and mm. the fingerprint of the area. So I think we're not moving away from what we are, what we were, mm. it's just, you know, refining what you have and trying okay. to make it better. Okay, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, we were talking about it earlier, I asked him about trends and how wine has differed from the 80s, 90s and so forth as well and up to now. And um, how do you go and plan yourself or look at it and holistically as to, okay, this is what we've got this year. How do we adapt our styles? How do we go forward? Then what do you do? We look at trends and we look at it, you know, in depth, and, but we don't let us, we don't get pushed by trends. Mm. So we, we will experiment and we will do what we have to do or, and adapt to trends but within context. Yes. So we, I will not, I made the example earlier, when the Viewnier is popular, I'm definitely not going to rip up all my Chardonnay and plant Viewnier. Um, but so you adapt your brand according so, to what you do well. And exactly, adapt so you adapt well. it to what you do, but you stay, with, you stay within a very tight parameter. Okay, mm. all right, interesting. Um, so you travel quite a lot. Mm. Where do you like to travel to? And where, where do you find most inspiration to what you do? I think America look is at? a nice place to visit always, you know, it's, it's a nice market. Uh, they're, they're very knowledgeable uh, on wine. And uh, no, I think it's one of the most interesting places to visit. Favorite era? No. Oh, well. Napa Valley. <laughs> yeah, but, but then, you know, you, that's one part of it. Then you go back to Europe. 
and you're in the old world and the history of vineyards in, say, Burgundy, for example. Mm. And, you know, there's nowhere else in the world where you can have that, and it, which is so much more special than, say, a new world, you know. And so you've got a bit of both. You know, the one is modern, inspirational. The other one is old history, structure. And I think they're both important. And do you take inspiration off that? Yeah, of course you can't. Mm. You can't go to Burgundy and not be inspired by their wines. Uh, it just doesn't happen. And the same with America, you know, or any every wine country on earth has something that's inspirational, even if it's nothing to do with you. Mm. Um, the Malbec from Argentina, for example. Um, they have Malbec. It's nothing to do with what we do, but it's the way they plant the elevations and the way the wines differ through elevation it is hell of interesting mm. and it's quite cool maybe to go to countries where we can relate to this new world and we look at australia and we look at argentina like you said mm. and where you have different varieties um i remember when i was overseas and i did my sommelier scholarship we were looking at um we did one tasting one evening and we just had alma viva i don't know if you're familiar mm. with from it. chile yeah yes exactly and i was absolutely broken that evening because i was so homesick because I could taste the wine is not completely South Africa, but it's in line with it, and it was optimum temperature. Oh, well, is a chili's flagship. <laughs> no, it was exceptional wine. But the funny thing is, they gave me a bottle of wine after I finished my WACTs, and, and I came back and he said to me, I can have any bottle of wine, and remember that bottle of wine. I took it home, I flew with it, I got here, it was not the same bottle of wine, completely different wine wasn't the storage, the, the whole journey of it. And that's why they always say the wine is alive. I mean, have you had some the, of those? And it's not only that, it's also your experience in a certain area, you know? And um, what makes the best wine of wine you've ever had? It's mm. not the best wine. It's probably not the most expensive wine either. It's the experience you had when you had that bottle. Totally. So it was with an engagement, for example, or whatever, you know, it's that, that emotional it's, connection. It's that emotional connection to wine that made that wine very, very special. Mm. And then you go back to home, you know, you, or there is a different example. You go to a farm, it's beautiful, you're in the vineyards. Wow, and you taste this wine and it's just unbelievable. You go back home, you're back in your environment and the wine just doesn't taste the same, you know, mm. and it's, so it's you because you don't have that emotional connection at that okay. moment. But that's what they always say, when is the correct time to open a bottle of wine? It's when it's it's always there. It's when and how you spend it with. I think that you can never have an exact moment. You can't plan it. You can't say the perfect time to open this very special bottle of wine is in two thousand and twenty one when I turn whatever or when this happens. The best moment is that moment when you say, now, this is the moment. You sit there with your friends or in a dinner or wherever you are and you say, everything leads up to that moment. You're like, this is the right moment mm. and you take that wine. And but you do like wine with age. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a different topic. White and red. <laughs> Both of them. And we were chatting about it earlier because I asked him about wines, specifically white wines that's maybe not oaked. And then he said, no, it can actually age. So tell us, if I have a bottle of unoaked wine and I want to keep it, what tips would you give me to keep it? And at least how long? How, any, how do I look at it? Any wine which is of a certain quality is ageable. You must just make sure you've got a good cellar. Good. So okay. a good dark cellar, cold temperature, you know, not 
Do gold, you don't want to go, say, under four or so, then your wine will freeze, mm. that's different. Uh, but anything between nine to, you know, 12, something in that line, that'll be your ideal, perfect setter. Okay, wine. all right. And you have wines dating back to when? 1821. Serious? <laughs> what? Really? Yeah. You literally have in stock here? Yeah. Where? Tell me about them. Well, that's in, that's a secret, right? No, Otherwise, you're gonna, still this, is, this, Cheryl. Is, this is not that moment when you open this wine. <laughs> well, we're not tasting it, so... <laughs> What's the oldest wine you've ever drank? 1821. Where? Yeah, twice, actually. You have it here? Yeah, yeah. Tell us. It's a Vinde Constance that my dad yes. bought on an auction in London. And um, so we had mm -hmm. one bottle about sorry, seven or eight years ago. And then last year we recorked. So we, I tasted again. <laughs> oh gosh. We had uh, the oldest bottle of wine back in the day when I was also in England. They, they actually made it still after Thomas Jefferson. Small bottle like this. It was the most expensive bottle that ever sold. And they had two. It was Lafitte. So the one was sold, they gave to Watterson, and we had it in a little box there, and they actually had it framed. And then the Thomas Jefferson Museum bought the other one, and they sold it for millions of pounds. No, I can imagine. And then what happened, what did they go and do? They went to put it in a box where there was a light on it. So what happens with the cork? Pushed out. <laughs> exactly. So they always made the joke, and it's funny, they have a very expensive, expensive empty bottle of wine which they didn't pay anything for, and Thomas Jefferson also, which they paid a lot of money for, so they couldn't do anything with that wine. And apparently that wine was still legit. They opened it up, when they opened up the Lafitte, it wasn't oxidized. It yeah, was wines age, and wines do age, and people always underestimate the way wines can age. Yeah. No, it's true. I've often had people who come in, they have a 2013 or 2006 or something like that, and they're like, no, oh, this wine isn't right anymore. And the wines are beautiful. It's just, you know. They, no, but like you said, again, it's how you store it. I think a lot of people do something, you know. But anyway. Yeah. Okay. So tell us what's your experience in the South African wine industry. What do you think we as South African wines are going into the world? South Africa is in a but it's a good and a bad place. You know, you you're sitting. I think there's a lot of exciting winemakers, exciting wines. The quality is awesome coming from the country. Um, it's just we're not necessarily always getting the prices that we deserve for our wines. Okay, why you know, do you think so? Because there's a, a stigma around it. People aren't prepared to pay because there's a lot of bulk wine going out there. And so people aren't prepared to pay more than a certain amount for in London or in the New York or wherever for South African wine. But they're prepared to pay more for a Burgundy, a Burgundy or a Chilean or a French wine or, um, or an American wine. And that's all to do with image. So we, South Africa's big task is to lift the image of our premium wines. I do agree with you on and, that. And uh, try to, try perception. to, yeah, try to lift the perception mm -hmm. of our premium sector, mm -hmm. uh, which has nothing to do with our entry level. So what sector. are you doing towards it? <coughs> we do what we can. Huh? Uh, try to sell more. Try to be in the restaurants. Try to be in the bottle, top bottle stores of the world, Harrods, Hedonism, and so on. And, mm -hmm. You know, really just try to. Get the do you do quite a few wine shows and so forth as well? 
I travel about 150 days a year. Jesus, that's a lot. Abroad. It's half your year. <laughs> abroad. Respect, so, Gera. That's his wife, by the way. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, you, we do what we can. Mm. Um, but it's, it takes time. All these things take time. It's good. But at least, I know what's, it's amazing that you're at least out there and you're doing it. I think, um, but like you said, most of the wines leave our country. That's massively bulk and the perception around it. It's sad, but I mean, that's why we're having a chat here that people can know outside that there's more to South African wine than just bulk wine. It's, it's premium as well. Uh, I mean, we, we live in areas like, for example, Robertson, where people also perceive Robertson wines as yeah, bulk. People, it's and got cheaper. A, it's got a much worse image, you know, to put it that way, than say, human order. Yes. Because human order's got no cooperatives. It doesn't exactly. have any bulk production. Where Robertson, a big portion of Robertson is a bulk production. Mm. So which drops your image again, you know? So you're prepared to pay less for wine from, say, this area than from Yolanda, mm. to use an example. Mm. And um, which is wrong, you know, because you do have estates from Robertson that are very premium and that are, are making awesome wines. Yeah, okay. Um, Tell us, do we have, you normally do tastings and dinners and so forth as well with your business or can people help, where do people experience the off in South Africa and overseas? Where can we, they go? We, we do wine dinners, the farms open six days a week. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of the shops and places will have our, one of our wines mm. on the list or, you know. You have specific distributors you work with? Yeah, so we've got a local distributor, Meridian, who does South Africa, and then we sell to about 27 countries around the world. Okay, What's your, who's your biggest country you sell to? Holland, Belgium, between really? those two, then okay. Germany, um, America, Japan, um, so yeah. The, In, import, well, export, how many? About? Uh, 70%. That's a lot. Mm. And 30% local? Yeah. Okay. You targeting Africa at all? Yeah, we try. Namibia is a good market, um, mm. Tanzania is a good market. Um, we're trying a bit in Kenya, we've got a new importer in Kenya now. So, okay. yeah, we do what we can. What can you see is happening to the African market? Because that's next up in the level, because we always concentrate Europe, Europe, Europe. But don't you think uh, Africa's evolving? Europe is a wine drinking nation, where Africa is not necessarily a wine drinking nation. So it is much more difficult to break the African market. Mm. Um, but it's potentially a good market. If you mm. look at Nigeria, is one of the biggest champagne drinking uh, countries Massive. in the world. Yeah. So, you know, it's just going to take time. But mm. I think Europe's a much easier market. America the same. Don't you feel everyone's like targeting Europe, 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 Europe? No, it's and, a big market. Is it? Yeah. yeah. And they are still massively on wine, beverages. All, I'm looking at alcohol now on the spectrum. You think wine is still a big thing for them? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? All, all forms of alcohol. Um, mm -hmm. Beer is big, wine is big, you know. It's a, it comes from there, you know. Yeah. So, no, no, it's a good yeah. market. You were mentioning America. So, you go there and, I mean, what makes our style a little bit different, like, for example, Californian, like Valley type of style? Is there a difference America between the types of has a very rich, almost sweet um, style of Chardonnay, for example. Yes. But there's many, 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 many examples that are not like that. So that's a very broad generalization. Mm. Mm. And um, 
and our wines are more tight, more elegant, more mineral driven, which I think, you know, does well with the American consumer too. Um, but it doesn't have the acidities that you sometimes have in Europe. Mm. But again, that's a generalization. So I'm, I'm trying to tread, not tread on No, tires. I see. <laughs> um, but it's, it's uh, you know, how do you put it? They, South Africa does have, South Africa's got an old world style in a new world country, which makes it very appealing. Mm. Okay. So if you won't drink Chardonnay, what else would you drink? Any form of liquor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, besides wine. If you would enjoy something else besides wine, what would you drink? Yeah, I drink cognac or brandy, okay. drink whiskey, uh, gin. Um, you know, wine is 99% of what I consume. Mm. Um, a bit of beer, but I drink, don't drink much beer. Uh, but yeah, not anything. Yeah, of Thank you very much for the chat, Johan. We had a fantastic time. It was sweet and short, but we're going to go enjoy some more wine. So thank you for those of you that's joining us and also checking us out. Till next time. Bye. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or log into www.nicheradio.co.za.